You are listening to Bitcoin, Blockchain and the Technologies of Our Future with Naomi Brockwell. Linux is everywhere. It is the number one choice of operating system for servers around the world, with companies like Google, Facebook, Amazon and Apple all using some form of Linux for their business. Large companies took advantage of its flexibility and tweaked the software to their specific needs. By the turn of the century, NASA, Dell, and IBM were all using it. A huge chunk of the internet is powered by Linux, or one of its derivatives. Android alone brought Linux to over 2 billion devices. Then you have modern cars that now rely on Linux for many things. Smart devices that use Linux. The International Space Station even runs Linux. There's a good reason why Linux has been embraced at the corporate level. Hardware costs are significantly cheaper, and there are commercially supported Linux distributions that can be purchased for significantly less than Microsoft or Mac OS. When you tell a large financial institution that it can reduce its server expenses by more than 50% while maintaining or exceeding current performance and reliability, you have their full attention. But even though it's been embraced by the backbone of the internet, is it the right operating system for the average user? In this video, we're going to explain how Linux works, dive into some of the history of how Linux changed the world of software, and go through some of the different distributions of Linux that you can run, depending on your use case. So what is Linux? It's an open source, highly customizable OS. Its origins can be traced back to 1991, when Linus Torvalds, a computer science student, fell in love with an an operating system called Unix. A programmer can write a few lines of code that turn into many, many instructions in the machine. He was excited at what this powerful, clean and beautiful software could do. Linus was unable to get access to it on his cheap hardware, and Unix hardware was too expensive for private users, so he decided to create his own version of the operating system, using many of Unix's general design principles, so that he could freely play around with it. What he ended up with was the Linux kernel. A kernel is a computer program at the core of a computer's operating system that generally has complete control over everything in the system. It's the computer program that runs your computer. What started out as a side project for Linus ended up exploding in popularity for several reasons. The first major reason was that it was free and adopted a permissive GNU v2 license early on, meaning that while everyone can freely copy and modify the code, all modifications must also be made freely available under the same license. This compared favorably to other OSs at the time, such as BSD, Minix, and other Unix clones, which had restrictive and sometimes confusing licensing that prevented people from innovating on top of them. This permissiveness had all kinds of consequences. Other OSs and software at the time tended to be designed carefully by small groups, but Linux built a very welcoming community around it that encouraged developers to tinker with and improve the code and then submit their changes back. Linux's development has often been described more as an evolution of code rather than it being designed. Over 15,000 developers and approximately 1,500 companies have contributed to the Linux source code since 2005. Because anyone can alter the code base or repackage elements to make their own version of the software, a user isn't locked into a major company's ecosystem and their choices on how the OS should operate, and they're not reliant on that company to push updates like you are with Windows and Mac OS. A final consequence of this permissive ecosystem, and in particular, the open source nature of the code, is that anyone can see that code and can, in theory, verify everything that the code does. 
But Linux has over 27.8 million lines of code, which makes it impossible for someone to be able to keep up with everything in the code base. However, it's thought that with more eyes on the code, there's more chance that someone will be able to find bugs. And so many people consider open source a necessary, although insufficient condition for being able to trust software. The next reason Linux is popular for some groups is privacy. While Microsoft and Apple devices send a huge amount of data about your usage back to their parent companies, Linux doesn't have a parent company, so most Linux distributions don't do this. Keep in mind that depending on which Linux distribution you use, they might try to collect data about you, and we'll go through details about which distros do that. Finally, Linux is extremely stable, doesn't suffer as much against viruses, and generally has lower system requirements to run. It isn't uncommon to hear of Linux servers running for years without any downtime, which is one of the reasons why they're the most popular choice when it comes to running web servers. This, along with its customizability, has led Linux to completely dominate supercomputer use with all of the top 500 supercomputers running Linux. A big differentiator between Linux and OSs like Windows and Mac is that Linux isn't produced by a single organization. Different people put together different parts of it. As well as the Linux kernel or core operating system, there's also the terminal where you write command line code, the graphical desktop, the app management system, and a whole bunch of other components, each distributed independently as open source code. It is possible to take all these separate components components and put them together yourself. But compiling this software is complex and time-consuming. So there are groups that combine these individual elements for you and package them together so that they're easy to install. There are many different ways to combine each element, and these different Linux versions are called distros, which stands for distributions. Each distro adds their own finishing touches and optimizes for different use cases. Some distros focus on stability, others on security, and then there are those that prioritize having a beautiful and friendly user interface, and the majority of Linux distros are totally free. Here are five popular Linux distros, the pros and cons of each, and their use cases. Feel free to skip ahead if you're just here for a specific distro. Let's start with the most popular Linux distro, Ubuntu. Around a third of all Linux installations use Ubuntu, and for good reason. It was one of the first distributions that focused on a user-friendly desktop experience and worked with a variety of hardware right out of the box with minimal tweaking. It's incredibly easy to install, and its ability to boot and run the entire OS from a thumb drive makes it simple to try out without having to wipe your whole system. Because it's the most popular distro, it's easy to get support online when troubleshooting issues, and the software for it tends to be well maintained. So what are some of the reasons you might not want to use Ubuntu? Well, it isn't the easiest distro to get running for gaming right out of the box. It requires additional configuration and installation of drivers. Canonical, the company behind Ubuntu, has recently taken steps to improve gaming on Ubuntu and have begun hiring software engineers specifically for this, so this may change soon. A decade ago, there was a big scandal with Canonical when it was discovered that they collected users' search terms to help deliver targeted Amazon ads. It took them four years to remove this feature after the Electronic Frontier Foundation and prominent free software activist Richard Stallman called them out. They've improved on this front tremendously, and it's now possible to opt out of sharing data. Next is Debian. It's often referred to as the mother of all distributions because it's one of the oldest and most popular Linux distributions. Over a hundred distros use Debian as their base, including Ubuntu. While Ubuntu was driven by the company Canonical, Debian is community-driven. Debian has a strong focus on stability and security. 
The trade-off is that you don't have the latest versions of software on it. Debian releases are a lot slower and come out once every few years, compared to other distributions that come out with several new versions a year. You can choose to manually install newer versions of such software, but it's a much more involved process and will require some Linux experience. Debian's desktop experience is great for productivity, but is generally reserved for those with more experience with Linux. Getting gaming on Debian is also going to be a challenge due to its software not always being the most up to date. Debian's stability and security make it a great choice for servers or those who prioritize that over needing the newest shiny features. If you're looking for the best distro for security and privacy, Cubes OS is one of the best rated options as a daily driver. It's recommended by Snowden and a plethora of other security experts. But it is notoriously complicated, so only dive into it if you're a seasoned Linux user already. Rather than working to ensure that your computer is never attacked, Cubes OS works under the assumption that your computer will inevitably be breached. It's a lot like a warship, which is compartmentalized, so that even if there's a breach in one compartment, the damage is contained within that section. Cubes OS calls these compartments cubes. Rather than thinking of Cubes OS as a regular distro, it's more of a platform from which you can deploy different OSs and environments within isolated cubes. It does this through the power of virtual machines, which means that you have computers being emulated within your computer. Due to its usage of virtual machines, it's recommended to run Cubes OS on a higher powered computer with ample amounts of RAM. Within each cube, you have full control over the operating system you run, its privileges, and even whether it's connected to the internet. By default, Cubes allows you to deploy Fedora, Debian, and the privacy-focused Hoonix. But if you want, you can even deploy Windows inside of it. So you can have a work cube, a personal cube, a browsing cube, a banking cube, and each has its own customized OS and privileges. You can even have disposable cubes, which you can use to open suspicious attachments or to browse untrusted websites so that any exploit is limited to that cube, which is then destroyed after use. This makes Cubes OS a great tool for actively targeted individuals, such as journalists, activists, whistleblowers, and researchers. Again, this is not recommended for new users to Linux. It works very differently from any other OS and it takes a while to get used to. But if you're willing to put in the time to learn it, it's probably the most secure daily OS that you can use. Pop OS has recently gotten a lot of traction and is the creation of Colorado-based computer manufacturer System76 that builds open source computers, software, and firmware. It's yet another distribution based on Ubuntu, but it comes with several bells and whistles that set it apart. One of its key features is out-of-the-box support for AMD and NVIDIA GPUs, and laptops that support hybrid graphics solutions that allow the user to switch between battery-saving integrated graphics and high-powered GPUs easily. This makes it a good choice for gaming. It's also the only distribution that comes with full disk encryption out of the box, which is great because this can be tricky to set up on your own if you're not experienced. On the interface level, it also has a great looking desktop environment with various tools to make Windows and workspace management easier. Privacy experts like Michael Basil recommend Pop OS for anyone first starting out in Linux because, like Ubuntu, it's a very easy system to get your feet wet with. He also recommends it because it's an operating system designed specifically for System76 
76 hardware. A System76 hardware disables as much of Intel ME or the Intel Management Engine as they can without breaking functionality. Intel ME is built into virtually all Intel chipsets since 2008, and it's a mini computer within your computer that has full access to your PC's memory, display, network, and input devices. It powers Intel's AMT, or Active Management Technology, that allows the remote access to machines that many larger organizations use. System76 hardware tries to mitigate the risk of IME by not signing up for AMT. And although you can install any Linux distribution on a System76 machine, they're specifically designed for Pop OS. Pop OS offers a very well-rounded experience that is suitable for most people, which is exactly what System76 is aiming for. Finally, let's talk about Linux Mint, which is often regarded as one of the most user-friendly Linux distributions. And for that reason, it's also one of the most popular. Its core is derived from Ubuntu, but it has several enhancements that make it suitable for beginners. For example, on the user interface side, it comes preloaded with useful apps that are ready to use and pre-configured with good defaults. Linux Mint comes in three different flavors, Cinnamon, Mate, and XFCE, which offer different desktop environments. The most common one is the Cinnamon interface, which is designed to be very similar to Windows and makes it easy for those looking to switch. Mint's team has other in-house tools that improve the user experience, such as the ability to easily install proprietary drivers like those from NVIDIA and AMD, and the ability to back up your system and easily configure your desktop. It also comes pre-installed with many codecs to play a wide variety of media files out of the box. Linux Mint is great for newcomers to Linux and offers a good out-of-the-box experience with a familiar user interface. A final thing to talk about in a discussion about Linux is gaming. We already mentioned that Pop OS has made tweaks to make it a good gaming OS. Other gaming-focused Linux distributions are Draugr OS and Ubuntu Gamepack. Linux has taken a huge leap forward in gaming in the past two years. Games are mainly written for Windows, and in the past, Linux users have had to install compatibility layers like Wine, and then further configure each individual game. However, Valve Corporation, the company behind Steam, which is one of the most popular game distribution platforms, has really helped push Linux gaming forward. Their support of Steam on Linux has spurred the growth of games that now run natively on Linux. Valve also released an improved version of Wine called Proton that plays thousands of Windows games with minimal fuss. Out of the top 1,000 games on Steam, 82% are playable with Proton. So back to our original question, is Linux the right OS for you? And why might you want to make the switch? First is security. If you need a really secure environment for the work that you do, some of the distros that specialize in that area would be a great idea. But if you're just diving in, perhaps you want to start with something like Ubuntu, Pop OS, or Mint first to get your feet wet and to learn more about Linux. Next, perhaps you're just tired of trading your privacy for the privilege of using the latest Mac or Microsoft product, and you would prefer a system that doesn't send off data to a parent company about your every move. There are certain Linux distros that would be a great fit for you. If you're a corporation looking for safe, effective, money-saving alternatives to running Windows or Mac, Linux is definitely something that you should consider too. Or maybe you're just into gaming and technology, or want to be able to customize your setup, or you just want to be in control of your own system. A huge number of users flock to Linux for exactly this reason. The great thing about Linux is you can test out many distributions before deciding if it's right for you. Just install it to a thumb drive, and then boot your computer from that thumb drive. 
so that you can have a play around. In an upcoming video, we'll dive specifically into Ubuntu, how to get started and what you can expect when you use it. Hopefully this video will help you decide if you want to join the masses of people who are moving away from products that capture heaps of data about you and towards more private systems like many of those based on Linux. I'm a Bitcoin, staring, I'm staring the status quo. Got that crypto 